0: Hello and welcome to Be Vigilant. I'm your host, Matt Dean. Today with me is Pastor Caleb Wood. Today's show is brought to you by the Thrasher family. Once again, we are so thankful for them and their donation that's keeping us on the air, American Christian Network, Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Pastor, how are you doing today? I'm well, Matt. How are you? Excellent. I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know you're a busy man, kids, kids flying in, pastoring a church, so we really appreciate it. I, I thank you for the opportunity. It is a, an honor and a joy, and uh, I enjoy talking about the Lord and about His word, So, Amen. And I know you're one of the first people that told me about American Christian Network, you and Sean Nelson, so I figured I'd get both of you guys on the air one of these days. Sean's done uh, his take on Psalm 93, I believe. that's where, You know you know, Sean in Psalms. He, yeah. He gets into that. So for everybody out there that's listening, Pastor Caleb Wood, what's your background, besides being our pastor for Becky and I? Uh, I mean, I've been
1: pastoring uh, at at Valley Church here, uh, be 10 years this November. And of course, that's where I met you guys. Um, I started uh, formally pastoring uh, in 2005. Uh, That's where I started. I took my very first pastorate down in a little church in Jerome, Idaho. Uh, I actually felt a call to preach and surrendered uh, to the gospel ministry back in March of 2001. Uh, And so I had about that four-year gap uh, in between when I knew that God had called me uh, to, to preach, but before I really was able to preach, mm-hmm. uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, I was in the Army uh, at the time uh, when I surrendered to preach in 2001. I did not get out of the Army till May of 2005. Uh, and so though, though I, in my head, thought, all right, God, you called me to preach. I'm ready to pastor. Let's go. Uh, Uncle Sam said, I, I, I'm not through with you quite mm-hmm. yet. Uh, and so I had that weird kind of gap time in the middle and uh, when it when it became evident that that God had opened doors to begin the pastoring, uh, August of '05 is when I started pastoring. Then, right on,
0: you got a wife and a bunch of kids now, right? I
1: do. We've got, uh, of course, a wife. We've been married since 1999, uh, and so I believe that's 23 years now. And uh, I've got two biological children, uh, both grown, uh, expecting some grandbabies mm-hmm. in the fall, uh, and then we've got uh, two other boys that are now uh, legally our sons. We had a chance to adopt them. Uh, just a few months ago, uh, and just uh, absolutely loving it. Big, big age gap uh, mm-hmm. in between, uh, but absolutely loving them.
0: Yeah, just another time where you're thinking, "All right, Lord, empty nesters, we're gonna we're gonna vacation, we're gonna relax and be adults without kids." And God said, "No, I don't think so." Yeah, I
1: was <laughs> 22, I think it was when my when my son uh, came home from the hospital as an infant and stayed in my room. Uh, I was in the army, peak shape of my life, uh, went three weeks without sleep. Who cares? Keep moving. Uh, I I was 40 this time when we brought an infant home from the hospital, and
0: a little different story. Yep, Them two little dudes, though, they they light up our church running around and uh, hanging out with our son, Henry. So it's a a good time. Yeah, he calls him my friend, Henry. My friend, Henry. He's got that now. It used to just be my Henry, but now it's my friend. So that's what you touched on a little bit. So when a man feels the call to be a pastor, like we were just talking about, it's a little different than preaching, right? You said all of God's children are called to preach, and I agree with that. So we hope when Becky and I do the show that when people are listening, there might be some men out there that f- feel that call from God. But like you said, Uncle Sam said different. So when if we could just explain a little bit how you worked through that. There was a four-year gap. You had to finish the Army. And maybe what some of your feelings that were going on in that time. And, and maybe I'll
1: just try to, to specify or, or clarify just a little bit. Uh, when we talk about this, this, you know, every man can preach, uh, sometimes the word preach in the scriptures, uh, is really the word to proclaim mm-hmm. and every child of God, uh, every, every person who has been saved ha- has a responsibility and should have a desire to tell others, uh, h- how they can be saved. It, uh, that, that idea of to preach the word, to proclaim uh, the word should come from everyone. Uh, there's a there's a different uh, usage of the word, there's a different uh, function, a different role given in Scripture, uh, that of pastoring, uh, and there are some specific qualifications uh, given in the Scriptures. For those, it's a different office and a position. Uh, for me, I, I knew that God had called me not only to proclaim His word, uh, but also to, to pastor people. Um, Uh, For me, I think that I have kind of learned what you're supposed to do because I didn't do it right. Uh, And so I kind of learned the wrong thing first. Uh, And I can remember, like you said, I was in the army. Uh, In fact, I was an army recruiter uh, and I was stationed uh, down in the Lewiston, Moscow area, Uh, was attending a church in Lewiston. And I can remember on many occasions, especially as I was kind of almost getting out of the army, and uh, I, I would feel kind of super spiritual, and I would I would pray to God almost like Isaiah, and I would say, well, well here I am, Lord, and just send me anywhere, and I kind of just sat and, and twiddled my thumbs at the the local church I was attending there, and I, I can remember there was a lot of ministry needs. We had uh, a lot of teenagers that were starting to show up with families, and uh, people kept asking me, well, are you willing to, to, to work with these teenagers? And I remember saying, "Well, God didn't, you know, God didn't call me to be just a youth pastor. He called me to be a senior pastor." And uh, and I, for probably a good year, uh, just kind of sat and said, "Nope, that's not me, God. I'll, I'll do whatever you want, God. Here am I. Send me." But I overlooked the ministry that was right underneath my feet, uh, and so in my head I thought I was being super spiritual. Uh, and eventually, I think I think the Holy Spirit kind of opened my heart and says, "No, you're being super selfish, and and you are missing." the the ministry opportunities right in front of you. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't. I, I believe in God's design. I believe God has a, a plan. God is sovereign. I believe that. I find it interesting that when I finally just kind of said, "Okay, Lord, I'm a slow learner. I know You've called me to pastor, and someday I will pastor a church, but in the meantime, You've given me ministry right here where I am, and so I'm just going to dive headfirst into that." once I did that, I don't think it was about six months later before God called me and led me to the first church that I pastored. Uh, and so the the feelings that you were asking about, what does that feel like? I, I just, all I knew uh, was that God's Word burned in my belly like a fire is the way that Jeremiah described it. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that, that, that I had a desire to, to present God's Word, and I just had a desire to to help people get from wherever they were to wherever
0: God wanted them to be. So true. That's, <clears throat> so That's that answers all my questions right there, you know. It, it, once you feel that there's nothing else that you can do out there, that God has that one specific purpose for you. Becky and I have said it, men, get up off your feet. We've even made fun of some of our preacher friends in Oklahoma that you know very well, saying, uh, hey, get off your butt, boys. Get up, pass the Mason Dixon line, and start sharing God's word. I'd start
1: naming names, but I'd probably get in trouble, so I'll yep. let it slide.
0: That one mama down there would get us both. That's right. Yep. So, we really enjoy attending Valley Landmark Missionary Baptist Church because the people there. Everybody puts Jesus first. And I mean, that could say, we could say it, that flows down from the pastor. I mean, that's our slogan, right? Where everybody's somebody and Jesus is Lord. Amen. But what we really, I think Becky can say that she really enjoyed this too, was the series you did on what we should be doing. We're all ready for waiting for the return of Jesus. So what should we be doing in the meantime? What's the church's job? And I, the way you went through the book of Acts, really, if we could just kind of summarize that today and kind of talk about that. What's the, what's the church's job in modern-day society?
1: I, I think it's a valid question, and, and I, I mean, I, I think it's one that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess... Sometimes we learn what right looks like because we've seen what wrong looks like. Okay. Uh, and I have had a chance, uh, probably unfortunately, I've had a chance on many occasions in my life to, to see churches go about kingdom work and go about the Lord's work the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll explain it like this. I, I've seen some churches that kind of have this mentality. Of, uh, number one, they say, well, well we have the truth. Uh, and if the world wants the truth, they know where we are.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> I've, had, I've seen some churches that, that no one says this out loud, but they have the mentality, we're just going to sit here, you know, the world's getting bad, uh, you know, Satan is getting a stronger foothold, and, and the world seems to be more and more against God, and, uh, and so we're just going to hang on until Jesus comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the problem with that is, is I never see that mentality in Scripture. Uh, I think that we can look to the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is the, the recording of the actions of the early church there in the first century. Uh, and I really think that, that it, it gives us uh, kind of a pattern uh, of, of how we as a church today should be operating. Uh, I believe the scriptures teach that Jesus started his church there on the shores of Galilee when he walked and he saw uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John and said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I think the Bible tells us that someday Jesus is going to come back, uh, but in the meantime, from the beginning of the Lord's church until this this age that we're living in now, that some call the church age, from the time the Lord started His church until the time that the church age ends, Jesus never said, "Well, just sit tight and don't do anything till I get back." Mm-hmm. Uh, even from the very beginning of the Book of Acts, Jesus told His true new church, uh, New Testament church, then in Acts chapter one and verse eight, He says, "But you shall be." witnesses unto me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't a question. Uh, it was, you You are going to go and be witnesses for me. Uh, to me, I think the purpose of a church uh, is already given to us. Uh, the Bible tells me in, in the, the book of Ephesians, also again in the book of Acts, uh, that, that the Lord's church was bought with His blood. It, it's His church. I have the privilege of being the pastor of Valley Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, but it's not my church. Uh, it's the Lord's church. And and the reason that's important is because since it is His church, He's the one that tells us what we're to do. Uh, we as a church don't sit around uh, and say, well, let's let's all come up with our own plan of what we think we need to be doing. Jesus already said, this is my church. Here's what you're going to do. Uh, and He laid that out in, in the Great Commission uh, when He said to go and, and to evangelize and to baptize. And to discipleize, I, I know that's not a word but it rhymes and I roll with it.
0: Yeah, we'll roll with that today.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. and so yeah. underneath that pattern I think we see that pattern again and again uh, there in the book of Acts. The, the evangelism, uh, the, the baptism and, and then discipling new believers. Uh, I, I, this is an unofficial, just my observation, this is not an official study. I suppose it wouldn't be that hard to do so uh, but I think there's some, some what I believe to be the most common words used in the book of Acts. And I think you'll find the words prayer or variants of it. I think you'll find the words preaching and variants of it and, and different uh, evangelistic words, different different phrases to mean sharing the gospel of Jesus. Th- those three things seem to be the most common, uh, I don't know if you call them buzzwords, but mm-hmm. they seem to be the most common words uh, throughout the book of Acts. Uh, I can give you just a couple of very quick examples. Uh, One of the main things we see in the book of Acts is preaching the word. Mm -hmm. Uh, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, Peter preached. Acts chapter 3, there on the the temple mount at Solomon's porch, Peter preached. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John preached in front of the council. Acts chapter 5, Peter and John were told not to preach and they preached. Mm -hmm. Uh, Acts chapter 7, Stephen uh, was preaching and eventually was martyred. Uh, Acts chapter 8, once persecution came around, uh, the Bible says that they that that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. When you get into the life and the ministry uh, of the apostle Paul, uh, Acts 17 sums it up this way. Uh, In verse 2, it says, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. The emphasis being as his manner was. It tells us that he went and he preached, but it tells us this was not a rare occasion, but that's that's what Paul did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are just a few uh, examples, But but we see again and again and again that a New Testament church in the book of Acts spend a significant amount of time preaching and teaching the Word of God. Well, to translate that into our day and time, uh, it it leads me to believe that we as a church today, uh, that should be one of our main purposes, is to preach the Word of God. Uh, I have a lot of opinions about all kinds of various things my opinions don't matter for anything mm-hmm. when i stand into a pulpit that is not an opportunity for me to share my opinion on anything uh, that is an opportunity for me as they did in the book of acts to preach the word of god uh, and so you ask the question what what is it that we as a church should be doing today uh, i think there ought to be a whole lot of preaching going on
0: amen <clears throat> so as we as we preach we just on the street corner screaming through megaphones i mean I kind of enjoy those guys when I see them out there. The guy downtown with a purple cape on—I don't know if you caught him. He—he's speaking the truth. I don't know how many how many fish he's catching that way, but he's having a good time, I think. And
1: yeah, that that, that would be my question: is 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 the the method of presenting your message effective? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm I'm not going to discount street preaching. Uh, I I think the purpose of preaching was to try to help others see and understand the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the verse I just referenced in Acts chapter 17, uh, Paul wasn't standing on a street corner. He went to the synagogue. But the Bible uses these words in verse 3 of chapter 17, opening and alleging. Uh, It it gives us the sense that the Apostle Paul wasn't just screaming uh, truth, but he actually sat down with someone and said, hey, let me, let me show you in the Word of God. Of course, at that time, that, that you know, Jesus was the Messiah and that he needed to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that word preaching is really just that, that word proclaiming. Uh, Sunday morning uh, you know, at 11 o'clock during our worship service is one opportunity and one form of preaching or proclaiming the truth of the Word of God. We at our church have a Sunday school class prior to that. Uh, multiple adult classes covering uh, various subjects, each one of those is an opportunity to preach or to proclaim uh, the Word of God. Uh, we at our church have several people that will one-on-one meet with, with another person, uh, or they'll get together in a Bible study for the purpose of preaching uh, and proclaiming the Word of God. So that, that preaching can take many various forms. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that, that once again hit, hit the nail right on the head. There we go, technical difficulties. So I appreciate that. the The next part, preaching and baptizing, was that the next one, evangelizing and baptizing. Right, right. Uh,
1: and I suppose maybe I got off track a little bit because I, I was just saying this pattern of of evangelizing, sharing the word, baptizing people, mm. uh, helping them follow uh, in their in their obedience to the Lord, and then. Discipling them, mm-hmm. uh, underneath you know, just some of those buzzwords in the book of Acts was certainly the, the preaching. When you read through the book of Acts, there's a whole lot of praying uh, that goes on. Yeah, uh, there was it was mentioned multiple multiple times, nearly every chapter that that a a, a corporate church would gather together and pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also small prayer meetings that were mentioned, uh, whether it be uh, Acts chapter one in the upper room. Uh, uh, sometimes it was just uh, the apostle Paul and uh, it, whenever it was, I, I'm reminded of, of one uh, story in Acts 12 uh, where Peter was in prison because he was preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the the local church there was, was praying uh, that God might intervene and of course, uh, God did intervene in a very mighty way. Uh, Peter uh, was actually led out of the prison by an angel, the Bible tells us, went and knocked on the door where they were praying. Uh, a young damsel, I believe her name was Rhoda, uh, answered the door and, and left Peter hanging. I don't know why it always makes me giggle when I read that passage, but she left him at the door and went in there and said, hey, we're, we're you know, this guy we're praying for is, is at the door. Uh, that's one instance of many, mm-hmm. but what we see again and again and again, where individually, uh, in, in groups and in corporately as a local church, prayer ought to be a big part uh, of a church life. So, so to kind of tie all this together with what, what should we as a church today be doing? Uh, we ought to be preaching the Word. We ought to be spending time praying uh, together. Uh, our church uh, still has, maybe it's uh, it's a little old-fashioned, uh, but I don't think it's outdated. We still have a Wednesday night prayer meeting uh, where we gather together and, and say, let's t- tell me what you need me to pray for, and I'll tell you what I need you to pray for, and, and we're going to spend some time praying for those things. Uh, and, and, and we get that uh, from uh, from the pattern in the book of Acts where, where prayer is one of the actions that, that a church ought to be highly involved in. Uh, in some ways, maybe those fall under the discipleship. You know, when we talked about the Great Commission, the the you know, evangelism and baptism and disciplism, uh, maybe those fall under under discipling. Uh, but but really, the the last thing you see throughout the Book of Acts, again and again and again, is God's people, saved people, taking the good news of a Jesus that came uh, and died for our sins, was buried and rose again to a people that need to put their faith in him. We see this evangelism over and over and over again from Acts chapter one all the way through the end uh, on all of Paul's missionary journeys. He went and he presented the gospel to try to lead people to faith in Christ. And that tells me that as a New Testament church today, uh, yes, we need to be preaching. Yes, we need to be teaching, uh, but we also need to be reaching. Mm-hmm. We've got to be reaching out to people with the gospel. Uh, again, we were given that command right at the very beginning, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, uh, to go unto uh, all the world, every creature, and to preach the gospel.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And Becky did a, a part of a show a couple of weeks ago on Paul when he wanted to go, and the rest of his people were like, no, don't go into Jerusalem there. And that brought up, as you were going over these, as Peter was in prison, the first century or first generation Christians suffered a persecution that I don't think we could ever know, here in America anyways. I'm not saying the rest of the world they can't. But I, we've touched on it before. Maybe you could help clarify or help enlighten some people. We are going to be persecuted. Jesus tells us that. To me, our modern day persecution looks a little different than it did back then as Paul went on his journeys and Stephen was martyred. Sure. I almost think that our persecution is almost self-inflicted. Would you agree with that anymore? I'm scared to share the gospel, or uh, to to some degree, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- maybe not
1: all uh, self-inflicted, but I don't think that we can absolve self mm-hmm. uh, of some of the persecution we have. Uh, when it comes to persecution, I, I like to acknowledge what you did. That I'm I, I'm not sure that that we, at least in this country today, I'm not sure that we experience the same. Depth, the same kind of persecution. Uh, You can do a little bit of cultural study on the Roman Emperor Nero uh, and some of the persecution that first century Christians went uh, under his regime. And I don't know in this country that we are there. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I know when you read through the book of Acts, and, and this is probably not where you intended for this persecution thought to go, but I know when you read through the book of Acts, persecution actually benefited the kingdom of God mm-hmm. uh, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 go into all the world uh, to, to every creature he said uh, you know to, to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth uh, by the time you, you you keep going several chapters man they did a really good job at reaching Jerusalem you get to chapter number six and uh, it's estimated uh, by a lot of uh, uh, Bible scholars that that the church in Jerusalem could have been upwards of 10,000 men uh, plus women and children. Uh, they had really reached Jerusalem, but it, by what's recorded, they really hadn't gone beyond that. The Bible says, then King Herod began to vex certain of the church. He, uh, persecution began to come. By the time you get to Acts chapter 8, that's when people started kind of scattering, uh, and that's when the Bible records for us that as they went scattered because of the persecution, that they went everywhere preaching the word. Uh, and so, I, I believe me, I'm, I'm not asking. I don't wake up every day and say, Lord, please persecute us. Uh, but I've noticed through history and even in the book of Acts uh, that, that some of that persecution, maybe that that pressure, some people will fold under the pressure uh, you know, against Christianity. And sometimes maybe that's what it takes for people to say, okay, God told me to be a witness. Uh, our world, our society, our government is trying to get God out Maybe that's what it takes for a few Christians in our world to say, okay, we're experiencing some persecution. Maybe it's time for me to step up and
0: start sharing the word. Amen. That's. I think that's where I'm at these days. Is I've always had that mentality, tell me no, and I'm going to do it. So as soon as I feel like I'm not allowed to share, share Jesus with everybody, that's maybe when I needed to step out. Like I've told everybody here before, I'm kind of a baby Christian as it is. So when a baby Christian like me is faced with persecution of not being able to share the gospel in churches— I mean, in schools, sorry, and we try to be contained to our church. What are some type of outreach things that you would recommend for people to go about doing? I know we have some good outreach at our church, or maybe there's something you've thought about and haven't brought to the church yet. Uh, I'm not sure that I totally understand the question you're asking.
1: Uh, As far as uh, just—here's the simplest way that I think Christians today— uh, can can try to spread the word, and that's the use of gospel mm-hmm. Uh We try to keep them at our church, different different varying uh, covers, and uh, it's just a, a little trifold brochure, for lack of a better word, uh, with a plan of salvation, uh, with the with the good news of Jesus, the bad news that, that my sin separates me from God, uh, the good news that 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 Jesus His sacrifice on the cross covers my sin, uh, and I just try to encourage people just to take those and pass those out. Uh, sometimes people don't want to uh, I don't I talk to me. I don't know that uh, I would want to talk to me. I don't know. But sometimes people don't want to talk to me. But I can leave a gospel track on many occasions. And after I leave and walk off the porch or after I continue driving off, at, you know, after I've picked up my food in a drive through that little gospel track can continue to preach the word even after I have left. Uh, and so that's certainly one way. Uh, at the end of the day, out of all of the amazing ways that God could have chosen to perpetuate his gospel message. God chose to use people mm-hmm. talking. Uh, and so at the end of the day, no matter what it looks like, the the, the evangelism, the spread of the gospel relies on one person. Uh, man, I wish I could remember who said this, Matt. I'm going to have to look it up later. Uh, but there's a quote that says that, that uh, evangelism really is just one beggar telling another beggar where he can find bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's that's the only outreach that I really know to preach. That's what I see in the scriptures again and again. It's just one individual being led by the Spirit to say, I'm going to go tell someone else about a Jesus who can save them because he saved me.
0: Right. I mean, that connection that you can make, is, is to me, is deeper than any street preachers. Any deeper than any Joel Osteen on the, the TV telling you how good you are and how good you can have it. <laughs> Fit him in again. Yep. Yep. We just watched something on Jim Baker. He was the the predecessor to Joel Osteen. I find that you know just the money and the the flash. Mm. And sounds like old Jim's up to it again, trying to sell you a cure for COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen that one. I'm gonna have to look it up now. Silver solution. It'll cure COVID. He said. I don't know who's letting this guy loose. So we just got about a minute and a half. If you want to invite anybody to our church, give the address. Um, anything else you'd like to say as we wrap up here?
1: You alluded to it earlier. Uh, obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but 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 I love our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love our church because I think that uh, that our church loves the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really believe. Uh, I didn't invent this slogan. It was here when I got here, uh, but I just really got behind it, and I like it. I, I love Valley Church. I believe it really is a place where where everybody is somebody. But Jesus is Lord. Amen. Uh, our ultimate goal at this church is to preach Jesus. Is to point people to Jesus. Uh, I'm so thankful uh, for for the men in our church, for the ladies in our church, uh, for every time we gather. Uh, at least from where I stand looking out, it seems to me that we are just a, a bunch of everyday regular people who love Jesus, who who struggle with our own sin, uh, but who love Jesus and just want to walk with him a little bit more. Uh, and so for anyone that's listening, if you don't have a church that you call home, uh, I, I would love to invite you to our church. Uh, I, I can't promise you a lot. Uh, what I can promise you is, is thats is that we're going to uh, be a place where everybody's somebody. Uh, Again, this is a place where Jesus is Lord. And all we're going to try to do is, is just reach the
0: lost and teach the rest. Right on. That address is 404 North Argonne. If you want to come check us out, We've got a Wednesday night, starts at 7 p.m. We've got RU on Friday night, starts at 7 p.m. We also have Sunday morning. Sunday school starts at 9.45. we got a devotional, leads right into Sunday school. And then Sunday morning worship is at 11 a.m. And then Sunday night, 5 p.m.? I'm always there. 5 out. p.m. for classes and then 6 p.m. for our evening worship. I just follow along. Becky just tells me to get in the car and we go. So I have no idea what these times are.
1: There's a lot of preaching opportunities, but I heard a preacher tell me a long time ago, the world's not going to get any better with less preaching.
0: Amen. Pastor Caleb Wood, thank you so much. Until next time, remember to be sober and be vigilant.